That's powerful. It's powerful, the presence of God. It's real. I don't take that for granted to be able to come in here and sing and worship. And, you know, I, we do that on a daily basis, you know, uh, individually. But to be able to do that with you guys and to do it corporately as a church is, is, is special. It's, uh, it's powerful. And that's, that's why God has instructed us all to, you know, to encourage one another when we get together like this. And he tells us, you know, not to forsake coming together uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And even as the day approaches, the last days are coming. We're living in the last days. But even as that time comes, he encourages us to get together. And I want you to know I love you. I've already been encouraged by you today just talking with you, uh, hugs, seeing some of you hadn't seen in a while, and meeting new folks. It's just awesome. And then seeing little Elsie in here, the house for the first time, man, this is family. And we always say this about gratis. Um, you might be here as a guest, but we want you to become family because we really believe that's what it's about. We're the family of God. And so uh, we do say brother and sister around here because you're my brother and sister. Some of you uh, help me out more than my own physical brother does because he's way down in uh, South Georgia, and, uh, and you're close by. And the Bible even says something about that. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away, okay? <laughs> and so it's pretty cool. Well, listen, over the last two Sundays, we've been in this series called Known. And if you've missed out on it, I'm going to give you a quick review but you can show the second slide there, Caleb, uh, instead of the first verse. But I wanted you to, to know kind of where, where this series is and where it's going. The first part of this series is, uh, is basically being known by God. And then today we're going to be looking at how to know God. And then what we're known by, we're known by our love. That will be what I'll be covering over the next few weeks. But for the last two Sundays, I've been dealing with the very fact that we're known by God. You see the arrow going down. You might have seen some T-shirts that people wear around gratis that has the arrow going down. That represents God coming to us. The arrow going up represents us being in a right relationship now with God. And the Arabs going forward means we're out here to go and share that love with others and to make disciples in this world. So that's what the arrows stand for. But it's kind of cool I put it in there for today. But we're in this section. Now the last two Sundays, the known by God. Psalms chapter 139, we discovered that God knows our every move. Every step we take from the moment we rise up in the morning to the moment we lay our head down at night. He knows our every move. He knows our every step. We also discovered that he knows our every thought. He knows what we're, gonna, what we're thinking. And, you know, some of us, that might make you afraid, and some of, it, of us, it might make us amazed by that, that he knows our thoughts. And then, you know, he knows that. But he, and here's the next one. He knows every word we're going to speak. And we have to give an account for every word that we're going to speak one day. But God knows every word that you've said this past week. He's got it recorded. Every word. Every thought. Every move. Now, boy, does that make you exciting? 
Does that make you feel good in church today, or does that make you go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. He knows every little detail about me this whole past week. Yes, he does. You're known by God. Very fact, he knows the number of the hairs on your head. Now, there's some of you he's got to do a little bit more counting on in the room than others, okay? There's some of you that don't have as many, but he knows. The little else, he's got a hair full of hair, Amen. That little girl is loaded with that beautiful hair. Well, God knows every hair upon her head, and he knows it about you. He even knows when the bird falls. He even knows when the sparrow dies out there. And if, You know, I, I saw Russell posted about he was there with a little deer when it had its final, well, you weren't there when it had its final moments, but a deer got hit and had a broken leg, and he stopped to help the deer. He called 911, okay? <laughs> let's get a deer. Let's get somebody. Let's transport this deer over here to the vet, and let's get it fixed. But unfortunately, you know, Walton County, did that happen in Walton? Did? Okay. Well, anyway, whatever happens in those moments, I know the consequence of that. And what's, but we're not going to go there right now, all right? I know the outcome of what that's going to be. But he knows every little detail. He does. And that's the part of being known by God. And now, last Sunday, uh, we dealt with the very fact that God is a shepherd, and he's a good shepherd. He knows his sheep by name, and he calls his sheep by name. And that was significant to know because that's how intimate of a relationship that God desires with his very own. And today, I'm going to be taking us to a text that's found in John chapter 17. This is known as the high priestly prayer that Jesus prayed before uh, he went to the cross. It was one of uh, recorded prayer. The whole chapter is a prayer. Jesus is praying for his disciples. But in the first part of this prayer, it's a, it's a verse that I want to bring to our attention today. It's found in John chapter 17, verse 3. And this is how we're known how we get to know God and is found here. It says this. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's it. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. This is how we get to know God. Now, the very first part of that verse, this is eternal life. Now, when you think of eternal life, I know this, uh, church, and it's this way. Every person has a soul. Every person. Every one of us in this room have a soul. That soul is going to live somewhere forever for eternity that soul is and so when this says this is eternal life what's the difference well it's a big difference because when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ the moment that you pray and confess your need for God in your life and you surrender your life unto the Lordship of Jesus Christ you're 
you're known at that point as being born into the family. Just like a child is born physically, you're born spiritually in that moment. And in that very moment of that decision, and it's a miraculous thing, just like a physical birth of a child is a miraculous thing, in that very moment, you are given eternal life. Isn't that awesome? Eternal life. Now, have you ever watched movies about people trying to get to the fountain of youth and, or something along those lines to where they try to get to a pool that if they think that they can get to it and they drink of it, they can live forever? Those kind of type things. Well, listen, that's the movies, that's Hollywood's version, but listen, God is offering us something here. And he is, he's given it to us, and it's called eternal life. Now, I don't know who does not want to sign up for that. I mean, you've got to be out of your mind crazy to not want to have eternal life. But this is eternal life. Now, what's the opposite of that? The opposite of eternal life is eternal death. Now, the Bible speaks of dying that having, you know, dying, but it speaks of a second death that's spoken of. And it's, it's not a good one. But now, here's the key. When it mentions this death, eternal death, what we're really dealing with is eternal damnation and eternal judgment and eternal condemnation for the rest of your life forever. Now, you know the day you, well, you, they tell you the day you were born. You, you don't remember it. They tell you that you were born. You get a birth certificate that tells you you were born on that day. Your parents will tell you, yeah, you were born on that day. We had you at that hospital. But you take their word that that was your birthday. You do. And on that day, you were given physical life. But the very moment that you do know about is to have that moment to experience God's love, and experience God's grace and God's mercy and then to be born into his family you see every one of us the Bible says we're like sheep who have gone astray we've turned everyone to their own way and God has laid all of our sin the iniquity of our sin upon him upon Jesus the Good Shepherd every one of us in this room have sinned at some point I don't I didn't I have four kids They've all grown. I, I actually told my wife this week, I said, did we really raise four children and are they out of the house? Did we really do that? And she said, yes, we did. And I'm like, it's almost like, did it really happen? Have you ever had one of those moments? And you go, did we really do this? <laughs> did this really happen? Because time has gone by and the house is quiet. We really did. But the thing about that is I never had to teach one of them how to do wrong. I never had to teach any one of them how to sin. It just came natural. In fact, our grandboys were over, spent the night. And you know what? The blame game keeps going on right on down to my grandkids. And I would have thought as sweet and innocent and loving as they are, that might have stopped with them, but no. No, they got it just like their daddy had it. 
In fact, I go, boy, you're acting just like your daddy, you know. But anyway, it just keeps going, doesn't it? And we don't have to teach that. That's where the Bible says we've all sinned. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And listen, folks, unless we get this part right, this is eternal life. The outcome for every person who doesn't experience what I'm talking about today, being of us knowing God, the outcome is eternal death and damnation and a life, eternal life, separated from the presence of God forever. That's serious. The Bible speaks of heaven, but the Bible also speaks of hell. And hell is real. And hell is a real place that people who die apart from Christ are going to go to. So when John, Jesus lays it out in this prayer here in John 17, he's saying, this is eternal life. And what is it? That they may know you. In other words, he's saying, it's got to be a personal relationship with the Father. That they may know you. And I love this. He goes ahead and he clarifies who this is. He says it in the next phrase. What does he say? The only true God. The only true God. This is eternal life. That they may know you. The only true God. There's one God. There's one God. Now, we did sing about him as Father, Son, and Spirit. And this is why the Jews had a hard time with Jesus saying that he was God. They had a hard time with it because they believed there was only one God. There, well, this is blasphemy that you would say that you're God. And Jesus is making it clear in this phrase, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the Father, the only true God. Now, are there a lot of gods in this world? Are they? There's a lot of things that want to be God. There's a lot of men that want to be God. But there's only one God who became man. There's only one. There's a lot of men that claimed, oh, they have arrived at that point. Listen, I, I went to India on a trip years ago, and listen, they, have, they have gods for everything. If it can be a statue of something, Tyler, whatever it was, it was an image, and it would be a god. And those people would worship that. I read this past week in 1 Samuel to where the Ark of the Covenant, this, you know, if you've seen the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, you kind of know what the Ark is all about. Well, the Bible talks about the Ark of God, and it represented God's presence. Well, it got stolen. And it got taken in by this, the Philistines over into this particular town. And they had their god in the temple. And their god was named Dagon, D-A-G-O-N. And guess what? They brought the ark into the, into the temple. And the next morning when they went in there, guess what happened to old Dagon? He was on his face. He had fallen over. He was laid out flat in his own temple. And they were like, uh-oh, our God's laying flat on the floor while this ark of, ark of the covenant of God's over here. So what did they do? 
they picked, it, they picked old Dagon up because he couldn't pick himself up. He's an idol. They picked him up, stood him back up. Guess what happened the next night? They came back in there. But this time, he had went down, his arms had broke off, and then his head had broke off, and all that was left was just the chest part intact. He, he got busted up the second night. I don't know what God did to him, but, but he went down. Okay? You know why he did? Because he was in the presence. That symbol, that idol was in the presence of the one and the only true God. Okay? God's presence was in the ark. And when God's presence is real, God is powerful, y'all. There's no greater power than God. God Almighty. He's the one. He's the only. He's the true. He's the living God. There is none other like him. And, and Jesus is praying this for the disciples. This is eternal life that you may know him. He's the only true God. He's the only. My question is, do you know him? Do you have that personal relationship with the one and the only, the true living God? Because that's all that matters, really. That's all that matters. He's the one. He's the true. There's a lot of false gods out there, folks. There's a lot of false teachers that are out there. I mean, you flip on the channels, you can see them. But there are those, there's one who is the true God, and he's the living God. And he's the God we were just singing about. Do you realize you were just singing about the one, the only, the true, living God? You were. We're not singing to a, a dead idol. You know, when you travel over there and you see all those things, it, you, and you read the Bible and it says they have ears but they cannot hear. They have eyes but they cannot see. They have a mouth but they cannot speak. And it's because... Those gods are made by man. And they're not the one, the only, the true, the living God. God knows you. Do you know him? Do you know him as the one, the only? And then he goes on by saying this. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. God lays it out very clearly in this passage for us the way to know him Jesus has said it this way I am the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father but through me only him only Jesus now you might say that's narrow that's narrow minded haven't you heard aren't, aren't there many roads that lead to heaven Hadn't you heard people say that to you before? Aren't there many paths to this one and only true God? Aren't there many ways that you can get to this God? And aren't there many gods? And how do you know yours is the one? Have you heard these questions? Has someone challenged you in your faith? Well, I hope they have. Well, listen. In this text, it says, Jesus says, this is eternal life. That they may know you, the Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Here's what God did. 
He loved you and me in our sin condition so much that he sent, he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus, so that whosoever believes in him may have life and may have what? Everlasting life. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13 say this. In him, in Jesus, was life. And he who has the Son has life. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. In fact, verse 13, he says, These things I've written to you who believe in him, in the name of the Son of God, in order that you may, what? Know that you have eternal life. Oh, in order that you may know it. You know, I was going in for therapy down here the other day, and somebody was talking about how hot it was here in September, and they was like, well, and someone said, well, it's hot, but it ain't as hot as it's going to be in hell. And, uh, and someone else made a comment about going there, and, I, and then they looked at me, and I said, oh, I've taken care of that. I've taken care of that. I know where I'm going. It's air-conditioned. It's climate control, baby. Hallelujah. Now, I'm just speaking truth, y'all. The Word of God says it. You know, uh, they said one of, the, one of the things that's the hardest to get in a church is to get the climate control in a church. Now, we ain't got our building, and here we're, we're dependent upon the school to do it. This side of the room is colder, by the way, than that side of the room. Do y'all know that? If you, if you want to be cooler, sit on this side because the air blows colder over here. So we got one of these. If you want to be cold, sit over here. Sides, if you want to be warmer, sit over here. But who wants to be hot and burn forever in eternal damnation? Who wants to get on that bus and go there? Nobody does. But listen, friends. This truth is so important. And we know the answer. And what is our responsibility once we know that answer is to what? Tell others about who is the way, the truth, and the life. I tell people all the time, I did not write the mail. I deliver it. I just deliver the mail. But Jesus is the one who has said this. And Jesus has said these words. If you say it's narrow, then I would say you're probably right. Because Jesus said it this way, straight is the way and narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. But broad is the way that leads to destruction. And do you know, in, when Jesus gave that parable, the sign over that broad said heaven, but people were being led astray. They were being led astray. But the sign over here says the way, the truth, and life. And it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know if you realize how important that is. And I hope you don't take for granted how important that is. That Jesus lets these words be known to us. This is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ 
whom you have sent. Friends, the only way to know God is to have a personal relationship with the one he has sent, and that's Jesus. And why do you and I need that? It's because of our sin. It's because we've blown it. I don't have to tell you you're a sinner. You already know you are. The question is, there's two types of people in this world. There are those who are forgiven, and there are those who are not. The ones who are forgiven have acknowledged that Jesus died on their cross for their sin. The ones who have not, had, who have not acknowledged that or still have their own sin on them. And they're still living life thinking, oh, I hope I live life to be good enough that God accepts me. Or I hope that maybe one day I'll get in. Listen, that's not good enough. None of us can live good enough. Not one. And so if that's you, then that means that your sin still is remaining on you. And that means that you don't have eternal life. But it's being offered to you. Last Sunday, we had a couple of young men that one rededicated, the other surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you, have you had that moment in your life? I don't care how old you are. Age has no preference on this. The fact is, are, am I forgiven or am I still in my sin? The fact is, is the blood of Jesus been applied to my life? Or am I still over here carrying my sin? That's, that's the two people groups. That's it. There's no one perfect. But I love that bumper sticker. I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. I love that. But is that you? Does that describe you? Do you realize, brother and sister, you've been given eternal life because of that decision you made when you were 8, 10, 15, 30, 45, whatever your age was. Do you realize you've been given eternal life? So when the day happens that you breathe your last breath on this earth, don't, you, don't let anyone think that you're dead because you're as just as much alive in that moment as you will ever be because you have eternal life. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that great to know? Just the other day, y'all, I'm being real. Just the other day, um, after that surgery, when I woke up in that surgery and I heard the hammering of the neck, the hammers, boom, boom. And when I heard that and I woke up, thank God for the epidural because I didn't feel the pain. But what I did feel weeks after was where they had strapped me down on that surgery table and I was trying to pull myself up off that table. Now, I, I know if you're having knee surgery coming up, you don't want to hear this. But I'm just telling you what happened. But I was trying to come up off that table when I heard that. And listen, what God reminded me of was, Son, I know. I know what pain is. 
I know what torment is, and I know what torture is. And I didn't come up off of that cross. I willingly crawled to that cross and let them stretch out my hands. And I willingly went to that cross, and I suffered, and I bled, and I died because I knew you had no other way to get to my Father except through me. Now, folks, that's real. That's real. Have you experienced that? Do you have that real relationship? This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Let's pray.